0: Today's episode is brought to you by Mazars. Sound Cartel. With the pressure for agencies to deliver searingly successful campaigns across more channels and faster than ever, are lock in contracts still feasible? And if not, what is becoming of the agency model? From Sound Cartel, I'm Nicole Goodman, and this is Business Essentials Daily. Traditionally, agencies spanning advertising, marketing, digital, and PR have monetized largely through lock-in contracts, which means access to regular cash flow and the ability to plan long term. But it's a model that can also frustrate clients and cost agencies in the long run. So is the flexibility of a month-by-month approach better in the long term? James Smith, CEO of digital agency Smith Brothers Media, explains why he thinks so. And he starts by confirming for me a clear shift across the agency landscape.
1: It certainly has shifted. It is still around. There are most definitely lock-in contracts. The challenge for any marketing organisation is there are a lot of them out there. And with that, there are good ones and there are not so good ones. And quite often, Locking contracts can be used as almost a, for want of a better word, a weapon to hold people into situations that they shouldn't be in because it's not performing. And I think this is one of the challenges that we've seen over the years that originally people were locked into contracts and and companies are starting to move away from that as well. In terms of how we've seen and how we've changed and adapted, one of the things that's really important for us is that honesty, that transparency, and the fact that. We are as good as our last month or the last project. And with that comes the agreement that we like to work under a a no-contract policy. Mm. Um, And I think that's really important to prove that trust. Obviously, campaigns take time. None of these sort of things are an overnight success. But as long as expectations are understood by both agency and client, then that's not a problem. And I think also one of the key things that's changed is the ability to have transparency through great tracking, great reporting. So success doesn't have to be the final point of success. The indicator of success could be noticed very early on. And that allows comfort to be able to be given to both agency and client.
0: Mm. One of the benefits of a lock-in contract was or is to lock in cash flow for the agency. Without a lock-in contract, is the agency at a disadvantage, do you think? Or can an agency be sustainable in month-by-month contracts?
1: Well, I think we're a good example of, yes, it can be sustainable and it can grow very well. Mm. We've grown significantly. We started 10 years ago and we're now up to 60 team across three states and three cities in the country. So, yes, it can be. But is that a factor? is that a symptom of the fact that we're month to month? No, it's a symptom of the work and the quality that we do. So I do believe, yes, you are right. It locks in. It gives peace of mind to an agency or a business owner that they've got the cash flow there. And you're right, cash flow is king. Mm-hmm. That is the most important thing for any business. But I do believe that if you have a good enough product and service and understanding with your clients, then you can succeed in a month-to-month arrangement. There's also other benefits to a month-to-month arrangement, and like I mentioned earlier, it's that trust factor. So the ability to win a client is far greater with a month-to-month contract than a 12-month lock-in contract. And as long as everyone's transparent with what the expectations are over time and those are delivered upon, there's no issues.
0: Mm. So, James, are there exceptions to this rule? Would most agencies still need a mix of both month-to-month and long-term lock-ins?
1: Yeah, I think there are certainly exceptions to the rule. So, for example, there's really two types of marketing when you're working with with a client. There's that ongoing, constant work for an always-on foundational type campaign, working on different ideas, different channels constantly. And then there might be a launch campaign or there's a campaign for a fixed period of time. Now, that's very different. And yes, that does require contracts and that does require there to be a guaranteed cash flow or income to be generated because quite often in those campaigns, the actual amount of effort and work is not equal across time. So it's really important to make sure that an agency has the ability to go above and beyond early in a launch of a campaign to then be able to sustain and see the success later on. And that is why you would most definitely need some sort of commitment for the duration of a, of a fixed duration campaign.
0: Mm. What about retainers? Where do they fit in or are they mostly a wonderful relic of the past?
1: People have a different feeling about retainers. Some good, some bad. I think retainers are really important for businesses that want to be agile. Yeah. So when when a company wants to work with an agency and they really want to be at the forefront of innovation, trying things, new ideas, and they don't want to just be constantly getting quotes and going for this and going for that, but they've built trust. That's where retainers are awesome, because all of a sudden you can be working with a strategist, producer, and a whole bunch of specialists, literally just attacking the market and trying to come up with new ideas mm-hmm. and working with that retainer, knowing that it's there stops that lag of time between an idea, planning, and then execution, so we can get those things done a lot quicker. At the end of the day, it's kind of like the Elon Musk model, how quickly can we crash a ship and learn? It's exactly the same in marketing. Try, learn, try smarter.
0: Mazars is an international audit, tax, and advisory firm committed to helping clients confidently build and grow their businesses. To find out how Mazars can support your business, visit mazars.com.au. That's M-A-Z-A-R-S dot Now, scope creep. It can be an issue for a lot of clients wanting to work over and above what's been agreed to with the agency. What's the best way to manage expectations and following through then with sending additional invoices?
1: scope creep is the bane of anyone's life in pretty much any business to business organization I think one of the the most important things and people will say it's about having a clear brief and yes it is but before that it's actually about the trust that you have and the communication that you have with a client you're all understanding that you're in it together sitting on the same side of the table to try and either attack the market or come up with a new product or build something together and I think quite often as soon as you start on a project where you're other sides of the table, it starts falling apart very quickly. And that's where we have issues. So I would say relationship is really important. First, take the time to build that rapport, understand what the true desire is of the client and what they're trying to build. And then obviously having a clear brief around that, but also not being afraid to have those difficult conversations. I think there's a framework which I I really like to think of in these situations, which is you start with a set of rules of engagement where everyone's clear about what's being delivered. You have that good relationship and having those two things allows you to then have genuine conversations around scope creep. Without one of those two things, you cannot have a genuine conversation about scope creep.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Markups are another bugbear for clients. Can you explain their purpose and their legitimacy?
1: Yeah, legitimacy is a a good word to use here. Mm. Traditionally in media, uh, you buy your media and that's it. You buy your media. Your media costs your media and it gets out there and it comes with strategy. It comes with execution. And then digital came around. Mm. And rather than doing that, a lot of digital agencies would put percentages on media spend and, and whatnot, and that would cover management. Now, The problem with this is, in certain platforms, you might not actually get access to the platforms the agency might hold on to them. So you don't actually know what the true markup is. So one of the things I always stress to every client, whether they're working with us or not, is to make sure you actually understand what you're actually spending on media, particularly in the digital world. So that's very simple, very easy. Make sure you've got access to all your assets, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Google Display, whether it's whatever it be, make sure you've got access so you're actually understanding what actual dollars are ending up on the platforms. Now, for us, one of the things that's changed over time, and I believe this is something that's really important for marketers to really get on board with, but it's a challenging one and it's it's a little bit controversial. In marketing, we have two numbers that we need to help improve. Cost per acquisition and client lifetime value. Those are the two numbers. It boils down to that. The problem is if we have a percentage markup on media spend... As they grow, we're going to be actually increasing that cost per acquisition. It's a conflict of interest. So what we believe is that actually our fees are our fees based on our time and our expertise and our knowledge and our IP. So we work off fixed management fees structures. And that does mean that we can actually put the best effort in to actually provide the best results for a client. Whilst as they grow, guess what happens? That cost per acquisition reduces as well.
0: That's right which would make you incredibly competitive in a pitch scenario or approaching new business.
1: Very competitive indeed. And I think this is one of the things where a small agency like us, who's who's growing fast and isn't so small anymore, is able to win those bigger contracts. And we are able to work with larger organisations and upset the status quo somewhat.
0: James, with all that said, finally what would be your advice for building a profitable business for agency owners or business owners of any stripe? What is your advice?
1: Understanding your numbers. I cannot stress enough about understanding your numbers. We've all gone through different journeys through business, myself included. There was a time not that long ago where I wasn't on top of my numbers as close as I should be, and we found ourselves in difficult situations But then getting across it and respecting those numbers allow us to then actually not only get out of it, but grow. So I think for those financial controllers and business owners out there is be fully aware of the financial numbers and how they relate to cash flow, repeating invoices, expected return, and forecasting. Those four things will allow you to be able to sleep at night knowing what's coming. And it also allows you to see the pitfalls that are coming ahead of you so you can start to make plans in advance. And I think that's one of the reasons why through COVID we saw so many businesses afraid and make drastic decisions before the actual change came about. And in the digital world, it wasn't as drastic as as some other industries. But because we had that foresight to be able to forecast and plan, not only were we able to survive, but we actually also able to grow and diversify through that process because we had Incredibly good financial control and understanding of those numbers.
0: That was James Smith, CEO of Smith Brothers Media. This episode of Business Essentials Daily is produced by the team at Sound Cartel. Thanks for listening. I'm Nicole Goodman. We'll bring you more B Daily tomorrow. Follow at BE Daily Podcast across social media. And head to bedaily.com.au for more from the Business Essentials Daily Podcast. Sound Cartel. This episode was brought to you by Mazars. To find out more, visit mazars.com.au. That's M-A-Z-A-R-S dot